Welcome to ING's Think Aloud with me, Rebecca Byrne. In today's episode... If you look at the state of the economy, the strength of just overall demand, the strength of demand for labor, look at inflation, look at, look at wages, I, I think moving forward the end of our taper by a few months is really an appropriate thing to do, and I think Omicron doesn't have much to do with that. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell announcing plans to speed up the reduction of asset purchases as U.S. inflation approaches 7%. Despite uncertainty surrounding the Omicron variant, Powell remains optimistic about growth prospects in the U.S., and Fed officials now expect to raise interest rates three times next year. Still, the U.S. bond market has been sending a rather different signal about the economic outlook, with a flattening yield curve suggesting that the recovery could be cut short. As the end of the year approaches, ING's Porrick Garvey, Regional Head of Research in the Americas, has been making some predictions of his own, and he's here to tell us what he expects in 2022. Porrick, one of your key calls for next year is for the 10-year to move to 2%, from about 1.5% where it is now. And that seems quite sensible, given the Fed's uh, speeding up tapering and that inflation is at almost 7%. But some of this has been known for a while, and the 10-year hasn't really moved that much. So what makes you think it's going to sit up and take notice now? I think pressure... Rebecca, there's been a realization that inflation pressure has existed for some time. And as we look into 2022, we see the pressure remaining really elevated and and persistent. And at a certain point in time, logic would suggest that that rates will be tempted higher. Got to remember that in 2021, even though rates didn't rise by much, they did rise, which was the correct reaction. And we expect more next year. I think the other thing, apart from the obvious, i.e. that the Fed will hike rates, is that the Fed will also take liquidity out of the system. And this is really important for us. And that that hasn't been the case in 2021. And that's the big difference between 2021 and 2022. The Fed will end its bond buying program. And the next step then will be to reduce liquidity in the system. And... That should, other things been equal, push up rates. So that would be the key difference. In the US, inflation has been rising at the fastest pace since 1982. But in 1982, the 10-year yield was as high as 15%. Why do you think the bond market has been relatively relaxed about this? And will it become more of a driver next year? Yeah, one of the big the big drivers of bonds this year has been exceptional demand and that demand has come from overseas players buying treasuries i mean treasuries of course are the biggest bond market in in the world and the most influential bond market in the world and if you look at the the 10-year treasury yield at around 1.5 percent it 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 doesn't look very attractive with inflation up at uh, six or seven percent but if it's the best rate out there uh, players tend to buy into that rate. So you're right in saying that the bond market is relaxed and it is remarkable that that players are buying into deep negative real yields. But what we've seen in 2021 is very simply an excess of demand over supply. Um, I wouldn't go as far as saying it's relaxed demand, but it's just guys have to buy bonds for various reasons. And um, 
that's been one of the reasons to why rates have been have been held down this year. Now, in 2022, there is nothing to suggest that necessarily changes, which is why we're not calling for the 10-year Treasury yield to go to 5%. <laughs> we're talking about it going to 2%, which is um, still well below where inflation is. Okay. The yield curve has been flattening in recent months. Is this a worrying sign for the economy? Are, are investors maybe concerned that the Fed is making a mistake, perhaps tightening a bit too much, especially given the news on Omicron? Yes, this is one of the, the, the big discussion points in the marketplace, because as we know, when you, when the yield curve flattens from the back end, so you've got you know long-end rates falling relative to front-end rates, it typically signals that there is downward pressure on growth. And that downward pressure on growth could be a fear of a recession down the line. Now, why would we why would we be talking about a recession? Well, because the Fed is considering hiking rates. So that flattens the curve from the front end. And when you have the back end, long end rates falling at the same time, you have the entire curve flattening. And problem there is that you risk at some point inverting the curve as soon as the Fed starts to hike. So it's it's uncomfortable. And I think that's the that's the macro rationale. The technical rationale is that it, it goes back to, you know, why are rates so low? It there's just a really strong demand for um for for bonds out there at, at the moment for various reasons, uh, certainly not to buy a very attractive yields, but you do have an army of players out there looking to buy into long dated bonds to get whatever yield is available. And that flattens the curve as well. I mean, I have to say as well, that the fact that central banks are and have been big buyers of bonds is another issue as well. So it's a very complex picture, uh, Rebecca. It's very technical. But the concern is that there's also a macro twist there in the sense that the the flatter curve is discounting that things turn more negative in the future. Although government bond buying will fall next year, supply is going down as well, isn't it? So what is the net effect of that? Yeah, it's it's an interesting dynamic because what we're seeing, I mean, let's just look at the US for a moment. I think the numbers are, are have been quite stark. I mean, we, we had a fiscal deficit of 15% of GDP in, in recent years. And, and, and that falls next year. It falls to about half of that, which is still a high deficit. But when the deficit falls like that, what's actually happening is that net supply is falling. So net supply is issuance less redemptions. And typically that's what's used to finance the, the fiscal deficit. So the reason it's important is because net supply is what pressures the market. So if net supply is falling, there's less pressure on the market. And one of the things we find is that that fall in net supply, so that 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 reduction in pressure on the market, is in excess of the size of the Fed's QE program on an annualized basis. So what that means is that even though the Fed stops buying bonds in 2022. The effect of that is broadly overwritten by the reduction in net supply. So what that 
effectively means is that the end of the Fed buying program, it's not going to be as, as negative for the bond market as it could have been. I mean, it, it would typically mean upward pressure on bond yields, but um, the, the net supply story changes that dynamic. In Europe, the monetary policy dynamics are a bit different, but you're predicting that the 10-year will get to 50 basis points and continue rising. Why is that? So for that to happen, things have got to go pretty well in the US. What we're seeing at the moment, I would say on a global scale from a developed market perspective is a tendency for rates to come under rising pressure, uh, a fear of inflation, central banks have turned more hawkish, and that whole combination is putting up a pressure on rates. Now, for that 10 year in the Eurozone to get the 50 basis points, what will have to happen is that it repeats what happened last year. So last year, the 10 year in the Eurozone was minus 30. It's going to end this year around plus 10. So that was a big move. Now, from plus 10 to plus 50 is another big move. And it'll happen against a backdrop where, generally speaking, core market rates are rising. So we want to see rates rising in the US, the UK, uh, the Eurozone. So it's it's nothing specific to the Eurozone. It's it's more a reflection of, of all waters rising in core markets and, and rates generally trending higher against this inflationary backdrop. Mm-hmm. Looking further out, Porik, do you think that investors should get used to structurally lower rates? Um, I mean, bond yields have been declining for 30 years or so. Is that trend really going to reverse? Well, if you look at the the long-term trend, even if we look at the 10-year Treasury yields getting up to 2%, for example, it, it doesn't change that trend. And I think that's one of the concerns that that I would have when I when I look at the chart back, you know, 10 or 15 years, really to break that trend and to see rates rise in a persistent fashion, we'd have to see that 10-year break above 3%. And that remains unlikely. Does it make sense for the 10-year to be above 3%? Absolutely it does, given where inflation is. But because of the other factors out there that are driving rates down, especially on the demand side, it doesn't look like that long-term trend is necessarily going to break. So but it depends on how we define a low rate these days. I mean, many would define 2% as being a high rate, but in the bigger scheme of things, it's an absolutely low rate. So even though we're expecting rates to rise, it's still um, a low rate environment overall. Okay, Parit Garvey, ING's Head of Research in the Americas. Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks, Rebecca. This podcast has been prepared by ING solely for information purposes, irrespective of a particular user's means, financial situation, or investment objective. The information does not constitute investment recommendation, nor is it investment, legal or tax advice or an offer of solicitation to purchase or sell any financial instrument. Read more at think.ing.com slash content dash disclaimer.